Welcome to Picks with the Professor, the show where a real statistics professor and his friends give you sports betting tips and picks. I'm your host, Professor Scythe. That's my actual job title and last name, which is part of the reason why the mathematical model that I have built to predict various sports outcomes is affectionately known as Sideline. You'll hear more about the model during the course of this episode, set to cover select college basketball games scheduled to be played on Monday, January 19th, 2023. In case you're here, check out the webpage on the banner. It's www.pickswiththeprofessor.com slash new for some explanations, goals, community rules, full recommendations on wager scaling, and where to find additional picks. This episode will only cover what are determined to be the best, most interesting games, so the model's strongest plays might not be included today. The results for all recommended picks, the ones in this show, the model plays, and all of the plays of the day found on Patreon and TikTok can be found both on Betstamp and in the Google Sheet. Those links are in the show description. That Google Sheet also contains the full set of projections and picks on every single game. And for early access to those picks and projections, see the Patreon. That link's in the crawler below and the show description. It's also where you can access that Discord chat, which is the best place to get questions answered about these or other games, along with general fun, discussion about the NFL playoffs, hockey, NBA, pickleball. I don't know. If you can bet it, we're probably talking about it over there. As always, remember, there are no locks in gambling. So what Sideline provides are loves, likes, and leans. It is A, B, and C great, or rather plays. It wants you to make plays where it can't quite get there, but a better number of price would do it, and toss-up games. But as always, take what you like and leave the rest. Lastly, please understand that good and bad variants will occur. So as much as we'd like to say will be profitable each and every day, that is an impossible reality for any gambler. Went away from the A, B, and C grading system for a couple of weeks there, the data had really driven what I was doing to show that the B and C grade picks weren't drastically different from each other. So spent some time trying to figure out ways to rectify that and got back to something that I like. So we're going back to that system now. No difference in that the A grade plays are still the ones that are strong plays that I recommend. And as I mentioned in the intro, that the B grade plays are the ones that are maybe giving you a little bit of a push if you like it. Don't just blindly back it. The B grade picks are probably going to track right around that 52.4% break even, whereas the C grade picks are toss-ups. They're, they're picks that the model's going to struggle to profit on. Um, but again, those B grade picks, ones maybe to think about, maybe ones where another half point or full point or better odds might be worth the investment, uh, but the model's just not quite there. So it's basically just kind of going back to parsing the leans into the stronger leans and weaker leans. So there's just a lot of ways you can think about it. Uh, again, the A grade plays are what you would consider just plays. And then the B grade picks are just strong leans maybe. And then the C grade picks are uh weaker leans with all that said jake uh welcome back on the show here uh welcome back to me being at home again rather than <laughs> traveling all over the state of texas it, it, it's nice to be back home you've had some travel i've had some travel i feel like maybe we're i, I say this and we haven't talked about this i hope i think we're all between you me and cousin jared all kind of like staying home for a bit so we can kind of have our normal schedules the last like month has just been a crazy time probably for a lot of our viewers too with a lot of traveling on holidays and breaks and kids school being off but it's, it's been a wild month i feel like for everybody uh, on this show traveling at some point or another it seems like yeah yeah it's been crazy holidays vacations all getting all that figured out by the end of the year was in a crazy kind of schedule thing yeah, yeah. Now we're uh, buckling in for the conference ride. We've gotten to see enough conference games at this point to start getting a better feel for some teams. Um, there are a few that are that are. I feel like there's still as many questions today as there were from the start of the season, based off how they've played lately. We're gonna talk about one of those today. Uh, one of them, of course, Kentucky. Uh, you know, with the 
finally kind of using better lineups that that I, I know people, if you're a Kentucky fan, have been clamoring for the use of different lineups, kind of finally actually playing a better rotation, um, looking like party. the team we thought they'd be all year. Yeah, sad part about that. It wasn't a coach's decision. He, uh, he was forced into it with injuries. So uh, don't, don't get too excited if you're Kentucky. He, he really likes Severe Wheeler for some reason. <laughs> it's it, it's so it's so interesting because you have to wonder, you know, you see the results, and you have to be, uh, you're not he's not blind to that, right? But yeah, you you would be the first coach in, in the history of coaches, whether it's professional, college, high school, rec league, right, to have their favorites and their and and it confuse everybody else. But I mean, that's a, I don't even know what to make of them going forward because I don't know what lineups they're going to use and how they're going to play their rotation. Um, you know, there's some teams kind of hitting conference play, starting to play a lot better. UConn, I, I was thinking about this today. UConn was really looking. I mean, there, were, there was an episode, I don't know, a month ago where we we're talking about UConn and just how dominant they look, how, how deep, how physically talented, and how they were just looking like a, you know, clear in a way, one of the top, you know, one of the number one seeds. And all of a sudden now, the Big East is tough, but definitely looking very human. Yeah. I mean, I'll, everybody knows I love St. John's, but hey, they, show, they showed why there. They can really go. They can go on the road and put it to you if you start playing their kind of game. And it's shown that UConn really doesn't like to play a fast game. They want that slow, grind it out. And if you get them moving, running, they are very, very beatable. And I think it fooled us a little bit early on because they beat some teams playing that style. But it, I guess it was kind of some fool's gold. They beat some teams playing that style that maybe weren't quite as talented. The Big East obviously really deep, and and you know every other game is a challenge, if not more. Right? It's one of those where it's like you can almost guarantee every other game's a challenge. But then there's cases where you'll get three or four games in a row that are tough in that conference. So um, gonna be a, gonna be a tough schedule. Really interesting. Um, a lot of fun here happening. Some afternoon games on Martin Luther King Day here, uh, which I think we're all excited about. But before we get to that, some reminders. Please hit that like button if you're on YouTube. Also, if you aren't yet, please consider subscribing or following. It's free. And if you turn on notifications, you won't miss any of the college basketball, MLB, or college football content that this channel provides. I've already mentioned the Patreon. Check it out if you haven't yet. Lots of great benefits we found over there above and beyond what we do here. $3 per month gets you the money line play of the day. For another $2 a month, you get access to the Discord chat group. And for $5 more a month, you get ad-free shows delivered to you earlier than general public and immediate access to every recommended bet. Go to www.patreon.com slash picks with the professor for more details. But even if you're not there, we're still thrilled to have you here. We'll get to it. All on courtesy of Bet Online. Sign up, link in the show description. And current as the time of this recording on Sunday night. Going to start off with one of those early games, 11 a.m. Central. Hofstra at Towson. And I made the comment, this is episodes only going to cover the best and most interesting games. Um, might slide under your radar. Partially, I gave a little ode to this one because of the time and, and if, if you're off work or, or if you're having to work and you're able to, you know, put, put some earbuds in this one or, or keep an eye on this one. Um, this one, you know, two double-digit win teams already in the Colonial, Colonial Athletic. It should be a tight contest. It should be a fun one to watch and one to keep an eye on here. The Monday slate, stronger than usual because of the holiday, um, but still not uh, – you know, it's not got 50 great games, but this one should be a pretty good one here. Um, with regards to the side, it's a C-grade play right now, uh, grabbing the two with Hofstra. But the model says it should be Towson minus one. So Towson minus one, minus two. There's really not a lot of discrepancy there. And so it's um, a pass with regards to the model on the side. But 
the over is pretty enticing. The total is 133 and a half. The model says 138.1. Uh, Jake, why is the over a great way to start off the day here on your Monday? Look, Hofstra's got a very, very under-talked-about offense. They rank 81st in Kim Palm's efficiency. They really take care of the ball, don't make a lot of mistakes there. They rank 26th in the effective field goal percentage and are a very good shooting team. Uh, their defense, average, very average. Um, they give up a ton of offensive rebounds. It really doesn't help your defense efficiency when you're handing people extra shots. It just doesn't help out a lot. Um I think Towson plays at that slow pace, and I think that's kind of what's keeping this uh, total number down. But they're very efficient and rebound the ball very well. Um, their defense is slightly worse than Hofstra's, so I don't, I don't think anybody's going to really want to play a lot of defense here. Um, Towson fouls just a little too much, so that I think that's going to hurt them, and I think that's why I lean Hofstra to win the game. Uh, but it's a coin toss, nothing I'm heavily invested in on the side. But I'll really love this over. Both teams allow at least 65 points, if not more. Um, they're scoring closer to 70. I, I think this is going to be much closer to like 140, 142, something like that. Um, and I, I just really think people are looking at the pace of Towson, and that's playing a little too too much in this total. Yeah, that's only one of the variables that goes into the totals pace. And it's an important one, but the you know the other team has what they want to do as well. Um, we always talk about pace discrepancy. Can the team that wants to slow them down, do they have the ability to it? As you mentioned, uh, Towson's defense is below average. Hofstra's offense above average. I don't think they can slow them down on defense. They can slow down on offense as much as they want. But when you when you talk about slowing down a game, teams that could grind a game to halt, slow it down both with the ball and without the ball. Towson may slow it down with the ball, but they can't slow it down without because they just aren't going to be able to because their defense isn't that good uh I, I like a lot of what you said there you got two below average defenses two above average offenses i mean that means we're gonna have some good quality possessions get us close like you said around that 140 number sideline thinks this game can flirt with the 140s i'm like you eileen hofstra as well might be a money line type angle um because it's really like like you said the model says tossle minus one really a coin toss type game i will say if it gets if it gets out to four you know, we're recording this here Sunday night. Who knows where it'll be? About as much time for the number to move here for an 11 o'clock game as it would be a night game. But the model would give it an A grade if it gets out to Hofstra plus four. And, of course, the same thing with the corresponding money line where you'd be getting good enough plus odds that if it starts getting out to four, it's, it becomes a much better investment. But as it is, we think the over is a strong look in lieu of a play on the side. Which takes us to the afternoon here, 1.30 p.m. Central. Uh, probably the game of the day here, Purdue at Michigan State. Purdue is a four-point road favorite. I, I don't know if Purdue, man, like have they, they figured it out. They haven't figured it out. They figured it out. Like they're just kind of zigging and zagging everywhere. Michigan State, not really drastically dissimilar from that kind of zigging and zagging. And I think it's – we kind of talked about this in the intro – you're going to see a lot of this in the Big East, the Big Ten, and the Big 12. The conferences are so good. It's going to look – teams are going to have two or three game stretches where they look like they've got it figured out and two or three game stretches where they look like they don't because it's just so many good teams night in and night out. I feel like so many of these games are going to be interesting at these conferences. This one should be no exception to that. Purdue, obviously the better team and should be favored on the road, but the model thinks that four is a little bit too much. It's a B-grade play for the model getting four points sideline says it should be Purdue minus 3.2. Uh, the model's been pretty accurate with both of these teams with regards to um, pegging their model of m margin of victory differences. Um, this just comes down to 
Michigan State at home should be able to keep it tight. Izzo's a good coach. You expect him to be able to figure something out uh, and keep this game interesting. And at that point, getting four points in your back pocket on a game that you think is interesting makes a lot of sense. Again, not the strongest of model plays, but one that the model thinks is worth a look getting four points in Michigan State. Uh, Jake, what do you think? Yeah, this, you're right. This is the best game of the day. It's also extremely important when it comes to uh, the Big Ten standings, right? This is either a three-way tie at the end of this or Purdue with the game lead and tiebreaker over Michigan State. Uh, th- this game's going to be very slow-paced. Neither team wants to push it. Uh, and, I mean, it, you got two really good defenses, two teams that don't turn the ball over. Um, Purdue's got the most efficient offense, according to Ken Palm, with uh, out there, and it's just – I mean, it's Edie, right? Like, yeah, I would say I, I, he, Kid Palm loves Edie. And, I mean, to be fair, who doesn't? <laughs> I mean, the guy's amazing. So yeah. uh, I know this stuff out, gives him a ton of respect, and it's like, can't blame him, <laughs> right? Yeah. I, don't think he, I don't think he's wrong. <laughs> just, it's just – he's just a problem. Um, yeah. And the way – like, and as efficient as their offense is, that lets them set their defense up, and Edie changes so many shots. He's not the greatest shot blocker in the world, but – I think this. I was talking about this with a couple of friends. I really think him coming to basketball late in life after he was already tall is huge to his ability not to jump and foul a lot, which is mm-hmm. he didn't learn those bad habits that, that everybody else learns at yeah. 14 and 15, right? Yeah. yeah, it's just incredible for a guy that big to stay on the floor that often. And as important as he is to Purdue, since he's not fouling, he's always out there. And it, I mean, he's 7'4", probably reaching up close to like 11 foot. Uh, so changing 13, numbers. I don't know. You can pick, pick any number and I'd be like, that's probably right. Yeah. <laughs> he's just a real factor. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what they do, what Michigan State does to counteract him. Um, the rebounding area is going to be big. Purdue one of, is the, currently the best offensive rebounding percentage, grabbing uh, – what, almost 40% of their misses and Michigan state gives up hardly ever gives up offensive rebounds. So that's just a thing of with Izzo. They're just always a very good rebounding team. So that's going to be an interesting battle to watch. I'm not sure which way I lean with the side or the total currently, but I mean, I want to take Michigan state plus four, but I'm just terrified that Purdue's going to find some threes where they have like, I, like when they played at the Phil Knight thing and they were just blowing through teams, everybody was hitting right now. It's just lawyer and Edie they get that third guy, it's going to be tough, but Michigan State's very good. So this, I think this is going to be an incredible game, fun to watch. Yeah, and it's if it's at home, I think it's a lot more likely that those other guys start hitting. That's where we talk about the home court mattering so much in college basketball and being, you know, a, a three-point swing, you know, easily in the Big Ten, maybe even more from road to neutral, another three back to home uh, because those guys – uh, you know, those role players are better able to hit those shots like that. This at Michigan State flips the edge the other directions with what should allow them to hang around. This game in, in Purdue, I, I wouldn't say Purdue guarantees to win because no one really expected Rutgers to go in there and win. But this game's in at Purdue, and the, the probability that they run away with that is a whole lot higher than it is here, obviously, for Michigan State having a home game um, on this one. So the play here, uh, Michigan State plus four, model wants it to five for an A gray, but again, grabbing some points here is still probably the best bet. Uh, with regards to total, I'm like you, not really much of an angle. Total, this one's 134, and the model says 134.2. Uh, you got some great offenses, but you got slow pace, and so it's one of those where we got the over with Michigan State and Illinois on Friday 
Um, I know there was some chatter about grabbing the points of Michigan State. Michigan State hung in there for the whole game and just couldn't quite get it done at the end. You know, we hope to avoid that fate this time. Uh, again, we, we zigged and zagged right with them last time and went with a total and set on Friday. So hopefully we're zigging and zagging back and doing the right thing, grabbing the points here on Monday. Well, sticking the Big Ten, 5 p.m. Central Illinois at Minnesota. Illinois, a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. Again, obviously, Illinois the better team here. Minnesota probably the weakest team in the Big Ten. Um, Sidelines is 8.7. It's a C-grade play for Minnesota. I like grabbing the points of Minnesota here. The main reason is that the model is not built to overreact to recent trends, but you have to really like what Minnesota has done as of late. It gives you confidence that at home they should be able to hang around and not get run out of their own building. I'll go ahead and just read to you their three conference games. They lost on the road to Wisconsin by three. Of course, Wisconsin's had injury issues, but even with the injury issues, was this Minnesota team was bad enough on the road. We all thought they'd lose by double digits, and they didn't. They only lost by three. They then lost by two at home to Nebraska, and Nebraska not sort of the strongest team, but again, they hung around in that game. And then winning at Columbus – uh, here on last Thursday, three conference games and three good results from Minnesota looking like a competent team. Again, I don't think they're going to make waves in the Big Ten necessarily, but if they could just hang around here, nine and a half is a lot of points for a road team to cover in a conference game. It doesn't happen that often in a conference of this caliber. So I think grabbing the nine and a half here is just too good to pass up for this Minnesota team that even when you go back before that has shown an act to kind of hang around. Uh, it's really the early on in the season that their metrics are really terrible because they were very terrible early on. Uh, but that last game they looked that bad against was Mississippi State. And that was back in, that was over a month ago. Uh, for that game. And so as long as they don't look that terrible again, they ought to be able to hang around. They probably don't win, but they probably lose by, you know, somewhere around, you know, six, seven, eight, nine points, something like that. So we're going to grab the nine and a half with Minnesota. Total this was 138. Sideline says 137.7. So the model is not giving us a lean one way or the other on the total. Uh, but instead, I just think grabbing the points makes a lot of sense. Jake, what do you got? Like the Minnesota, it's, it's a scary bet to take here. They're, uh, their free throw numbers terrify me that they're under 60%, and that, that could be big here with the bit under 10. Um, but Illinois plays fast, turns the ball over a lot. There's going to be plenty of opportunities. You're right. Minnesota's been playing better here recently, last month, month and a half. Getting battle, battled back and getting his legs underneath him was big. Um, they're seeming to kind of figure things out a little bit. They're scoring a little better. Uh, I mean, Illinois – not being great away from home too, so it's not like they're they do much better in Champaign than they do away from it. So there's a lot of things kind of going Minnesota's way. Uh, I mean, it also helps that Illinois is a bad free throw shooting team too. Um, should be plenty of possessions in this game for Minnesota to have chances to keep this tough or keep this tight. I, I think they surprise Illinois a little bit here um, and hang with them all game. Yeah, it's it's you talk about you know. Illinois struggles on the road and a big number. And the, the thing that just comes to mind, given that we've watched five of the six NFL playoff games now is of those big three, big favorites that everybody was just running to the window to back. Um, I know that all three won, but only one of the three covered. And that's where we just talk about the same thing in the, in the NFL playoffs. We talk about in conference on the road. It's like, it's just not easy to cover those big numbers. It doesn't mean it doesn't happen. This could be one of those games that the team covers a big number, but I think it, it just reminds me of that because I think if you said uh, talking about the, the Ravens and the Dolphins specifically, 
were both uh, very scary plays and people didn't want to make them, but they were the smart play because they were getting too many points. And I think that's exactly here. When you said Minnesota's a scary back, I'm like, absolutely. Just like some of these that we've seen here um, in the NFL, just so recently, if that's something that you dabble in. So sometimes those scary plays are smart because so many people are on the other side. We've inflated that value. We're getting an extra point or two in a situation where Illinois should probably be favored by eight and then you're like ooh, i don't uh, like that's a different story right but getting that a little inflated value maybe we're getting some extra value here by getting nine and a half with minnesota in a game that again if they just play like they played before and just kind of hang around and be annoying we don't have to care if they win if they lose by three five whatever it don't matter we got a lot of points in our back pocket you gotta flip around the other side though on this one 6 p.m central syracuse at miami gonna lay the seven with the hurricanes i've mentioned this before but as the season goes along the model it's kind of built to shrink the projected margin of victory, knowing that as the season rolls down, that does get a little bit smaller. It becomes harder to cover these big numbers uh, for various reasons. The model gives Miami minus seven, a B grade, not quite to an A. It's pretty close. It would get to an A at six and a half. So we're knocking on the door there here at an a grade laying the seven with the hurricanes here though a pretty smart investment according to the model and just when you look at the fact that they're the much better team at home we always talk about seven being kind of a pivot point for fouls if you're laying a number laying a number seven or less is always more advantageous um i, I love getting the seven here there's a lot of sixes so shop around get sixes even better uh, again we only make plays at one a sports book here because we don't want to shop around and get a ton of extra profit that you might be hard pressed to find but if you can go find those it's absolutely worth it to have a couple different sports books and shop around again go grab a six if you can but even seven i think is a pretty smart investment here jake the total of this one's 150 it's a little it's a little too high knowing that syracuse just may completely go cold from three which helps us win the, the miami bet but if syracuse hits at all um, this game could have a lot of points. It's not an official overplay, but I mean, it, it's, 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 I, I feel like we, we kind of want it to be an overplay. Just can't quite get there. Uh, maybe if the number comes down a little bit, uh, it's just too many points, but we do expect there to be a lot of points in this one. Uh, but Miami minus seven is our favorite play in this one. Uh, tell us more. Yeah. Look, the teams that are giving Miami trouble this year are very good defensive teams. That's not Syracuse game this year. Which uh, is crazy to think about given Syracuse. That's yeah. what you expect from them. And you're right. I mean, it's just not that's not them this year. Yeah, they're just actually a blown average uh defense. You got they've played that zone and they've played it forever. Everybody knows how to all the details of it because there's been what 80 years of Jim Bayham coaching that on give field. or take, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so but it's and I mean it's just a known fact in basketball. Zone defense is very hard to rebound out of. You have to make sure you find your uh, spot and find your guy and all that because I mean you're guarding a spot and not a guy, so it's harder to rebound. Uh, Syracuse, Syracuse is doing a very poor job of that this year, um, even with the whole zone thing considered. Uh, their opponents are getting about 34 percent of their misses. That's, that's big, adding that many extras possessions for your team uh miami very good offensive rebounding team they're grabbing about 32 almost 33 percent of their misses um they've got one of the best offenses in the nation there and they uh hit 75 plus percent of their free throws they're an okay three-point shooting team and i know everybody likes to say you shoot people out of a zone that's not what happens you go inside and work it back out mm -hmm. uh, with guards like wong and pack that is going to be what they're going to do all night they're going to i think they'll shred this zone um, 
because Larry Nagy is a good coach. He'll he'll yep. so scheme it up, and they've got he's got two really good guards. He's got a big guy that's doing pretty well too. Um, Syracuse on the road, not been a good thing for him. Lost to Virginia, lost pretty good. One point win over Louisville. We know how good Louisville is. Hopefully. You got a one point win over Notre Dame, who's not great. A thirty point loss to Illinois. Seven point loss to St. John's, and that was neutral. And a three point win over Richmond, and that was neutral. So, anytime they leave New York, it's not been going well for them, really. Uh, Miami should get this by 10 to 12. I think I, I think they're going to get there, hang there, maybe, maybe more, but I think that's about what it is. And I know that 150 number is high, and if Syracuse can hit the three ball, that they this will clear that. It's really dependent on them to, them to get hot for an eight minute stretch or something like that and hit a few, but so it's almost there. I'm personally going to play it, but it's not a recommended one. I kind of, I kind of wonder, and, and we don't do any team totals here, but I kind of think Miami team total over will be a good way to look too, because Miami should get theirs. Uh, the implied team total here would be, you know, maybe uh, what around 77 or something like that, you know? And, and I, I think that they should get to 80. The, the thing is, Syracuse, you have to hit enough to force Miami to want to keep scoring because if they don't hit, Miami could, you know, get up, you know, 78 to 60 in, in that in the last three minutes, just nothing happened. Yeah. Right. And then that's kind of the question mark. That's a little bit of the hesitancy here. But yeah, Miami should score at will. It's crazy to think that Syracuse historically, you know what? I, the joke, well made, right? About how long he's been running its own, but for so many years, it worked so well. It's, um, you know, you have to wonder about potentially just the talent or to some extent, you know, because we've kind of known how to beat the zone for a while now. It's just yeah. there weren't enough enough talented teams that could do it. And now maybe he's just got a little bit lesser talent. Maybe the overall talent level of basketball is going to, not really sure, but yeah, it hasn't worked as well here on the whole as well as it did uh, maybe back in the day. Miami's offense, uh, we talked about Purdue's offense earlier, how good they are. Miami's offense isn't that far behind. It's incredibly good. They should have no problem scoring at home. And like you said, even if they don't make shots, they should be able to get a lot of offensive rebounds against that defense. I'll never forget as a Baylor alum, uh, a very mediocre Baylor team beating Syracuse in March Madness a few years ago and out-rebounding them something ridiculous like 40-2. to two. I don't even know what the number was. It was insane, and they just had big guys. They just got all the rebounds. And yeah. so it was like, hey, you either made it or you missed. You got the ball back and you got a layup, you know, and they just were basically unstoppable. And so it's like the same thing here. I think – I don't think Miami misses that much. And if they do, they get the rebound. <laughs> and so it should be easy pickings for Miami. We love laying the seven there with them, which takes us to – our 8 p.m. Central game, the last one here before we get to our wild card game. UAB at Middle Tennessee State got a little double dip here. Going to lay the point with UAB and going to go over 146. This is an A-grade play according to the model. Says UAB minus four. I am assuming that Jelly Walker plays. That's not 100% confirmed, uh, but that's how we're treating this. And if so, they should go on the road and win. They are the much better team. Uh, and there should be a ton of points in this, given how good their offense is and their pace. Uh, Sidelines is about 151. So pretty good look here at the over 146 as well. Jake, tell us more. Yeah, look, I've had a hard time backing UAB. I'm like four and seven on them. I'm taking them again. I, I just, I think they're the better team. It's a short number. So that at least that helps. Cause I think early in the year, 
the hype was getting real and the, that number was getting- some big numbers and it was yeah. yeah there were i feel like there were a lot of and i think there was one that we backed them one of those crazy back doors where we laid like 13 and a half and they were up 20 like a minute to go and it was like back-to-back threes and they won by 13 or something weird like that happened too yeah that's that's fr- been frustrating but yeah. the over yeah. for them for me personally i've played it 16 times i'm 14 and two it's they just create points that's an addictive pace for their opponent their opponent gets sucked into it um, who who? I mean, it's fun, right? It's fun <laughs> you have to, to be play. really disciplined to not. You have to yeah. really be committed to 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 what you're doing to, to not. Yeah, I mean, you have to be really be in it. I mean, they've had 13 games on the year uh, go over this number. Their last six in a row have gone over this number. They just play this breakneck pace, and they have a so so efficient offense. It's unreal. Um, and they clean up a good chunk of their misses if they happen to miss, where they rank ninth in the nation. Uh, that. They make their free throws. They hit threes at a high rate. They have the superstar Jelly Walker, if he plays, it's incredible for us. Really helps that minus one um, and really helps the over because he can just put up 50 on a, any night, uh, which is uh, he's just fun to watch. If you haven't watched him, you have to watch him. Um, Middle Tennessee, been an okay team, especially when it comes to the over. They're playing a lot better but uh, than what people expected, but nothing crazy. Uh, they played a very average pace. They're got pretty good offense, pretty good defense. They benefit a lot from the turnovers they forced where they forced a turnover over on like 22. Uh, it's almost 23% of their opponent's possessions. They clean up some of their misses, but they really struggle from the struggle from the free throw line. Um, they try to slow you down on the defensive end, and that's just not going to happen. That's not in UAB's DNA for them to slow down. They'll take bad shots before they slow down to find a good one. Um, and so I think this pace is really going to pick up because Middle Tennessee likes to run, and if they force turnovers, it's going to really, really go fast. Um, and they rank below average, well below average, in opponents' effective field goal percentage with Middle Tennessee State, which is hard to reconcile that with their defensive efficiency. But uh, So when they do give up shots, it's good shots for their opponent, and that's going to be death with UAB. Um, they've got a very underrated guy. He's kind of fun to watch. And Dishman, um, they've got three good guards to go with him. I just think the pace and everything is going to lean UAB's way. We're going to get a lot of points, be at 150s, 160 range, and UAB will pull out the win, especially with a short number. should be nice double dip. Yeah, but it should be a really fun one to watch. We mentioned this earlier, right? You know, Middle Tennessee State, uh, not a team that plays slow, but you would think might try to slow UAB down. But like we said, like they're not really going to have the ability to do it. They don't have the defense to do it, and UAB – ain't going to let it happen. So they can slow it down a little bit if they want offensively, but there's going to, you know, UAB is going to generate enough possessions for it. It's like Oprah, right? They're going to give possessions to everybody. <laughs> That's going to help us get these points. And they're just a much better team. You know, Middle Tennessee State, not taking anything away from them, just about an average team across all college basketball. But UAB, um, you know, a, a pretty dang good team. You know, they're they're not going to likely win March Madness, right? But they are a very, uh, very solid uh, Conference USA team team you don't want to see in the first round for sure a team you do not want to see in the first round could cause a lot of chaos absolutely and we're going to stick in conference usa for our overtime game little wild card here not one of the better games of the day but one uh that we think there's an edge on 7 p.m central rice at utsa rice is a seven point favorite it's only a c grade play according to the model model says rice minus 6.7 so the model thinks seven's pretty accurate but i mean 
you just got a situation where Rice is playing well. They're the much better team. It's a short road trip, so you don't really have a full home court edge for UTSA um, in that regard. Another situation like that Miami game I talked about where there are some sixes out there, so getting sixes better. Just make sure that I like this at seven or below is a pretty solid investment. Jake, why do you like this one so much? Uh, mainly because UTSA is bad. Um, yeah, defense, yeah. poor. Um, not that Rice has a great defense, but it's less to, bad. Yeah, it's less bad. And you've also got to have an offense that's competent to take advantage of it, and UTSA doesn't have that. Yeah. Uh, they have they really just struggle every, everywhere you look. They turn the ball over too much. They don't force turnovers to, give, to balance it out. Um, they shoot a lot of threes. Luckily, they're hitting them at a decent rate, but, I mean, live by the three, die by the three, because their two-point percentage, they rank in the bottom 20 from making inside the arc, so those threes better get going. At least they're good at free throws, I guess. I mean, but, but they don't get to the line enough because they're not aggressive because they're shooting a bunch of jump shots. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's just not great. They're just not a good team. Uh, Rice, on the other hand, defense had – Offense good, so they're yeah. going to be able to take advantage of the really bad defense. They play at a fast pace. They, they, their turnover deficit isn't as bad. I guess is the way to say that. Yeah, um, yeah. They rebound the ball well. They shoot threes. They actually make inside the arc, unlike UTSA. Uh, so I, there's just everything is going to lean Rice's way. I think they get this about ten to fifteen. Uh, they're just a much much better team here. Yeah, and you talk about Rice's pace. They are a fast-paced team. UTSA isn't really a slow-paced team. They aren't really. They haven't really done a lot of slowing teams down. Um, so I think they're not gonna. They're not gonna really be able to get Rice out of their game, even if they wanted to. Talk about their defense is so bad. They're not really going to be able to. So the the pace, the tempo should play right into Rice's favor. Um, they're the better team anyway. Like you said, UTSA's only prayer of hanging around. It's like we always I always talk about, right? And if you're newer here, I, I probably try to say this once every two weeks or month or so. You should be able to list at least one reason why you're going to lose every 50-50 bet. If not, you aren't thinking about your bets hard enough, which is fine. But if you think hard enough, you, sh- you should be able to figure it out because – none of these plays have a higher than 60% chance of hitting. If you think it's higher than that, the math just would disagree with you. I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but these bet our best plays hit about 60%. That's just the tippity top. And, and, and that's, rare to even get that right it's rare to get that so i'm just using that as an example to say there's still a 40 percent chance at minimum that you're going to lose any one of these individual picks right we're always just trying about long slow and steady more winners and losers that sort of thing the way utsa hangs in there in this game is they're the home team they shoot a lot of threes and they make them that's about the only one i could come up with like that's their that's what they're putting all their hopes in right and so it's like hey if that's the only way that this loses the main way this loses I think it's a pretty good investment in this side. There's no locks in gambling. Doesn't mean Rice will cover, but if that's really all UTSA's got, as bad as they are, it's just they can shoot a bunch of threes at home and make them, and that helps them hang around. It's like, I'll take my chances that, you know, <laughs> Rice being the much better team, playing fast, getting a lot of possessions, can stretch this out in the second half uh, and win this one by double digits. Yeah, totally agree. All righty. That's all we've got for you here for your Monday. Jake, any parting words? No, I'm just – Hopefully you got the day off and you're able to just sit and watch basketball all day like I plan to. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, thanks for tuning into this episode of Picks with the Professor. Don't forget to subscribe so you can ensure all the sports betting content provided on this channel. It's dropped right to your feed. Back again tomorrow with more college basketball betting content. And until then, as always, best of luck. And remember, you think you're betting money, but please don't bet you're eating money.